Welcome to my mommy's podcast. This episode is brought to you by Desert Farms Camel Milk. Never heard of camel milk? I hadn't either until I stumbled across some studies about its unique properties, and I decided to try this as an alternative to regular dairy when I had a baby at the time. See, camel milk has some unique properties that make it easier to tolerate, even for those who don't do well with traditional dairy. And some evidence suggests that it may actually help support the immune system and be beneficial for those with autoimmune disease. Desert Farms is the highest quality camel milk source I've found, and I love that they really love and take care of their camels. In fact, I even recently had a chance to meet their founder and to meet a couple of the camels. Right now, they are offering Wellness Mama listeners four free extra bottles for life with any subscription. You can uh, learn more and grab the free bottles in the show notes, the link for these epi- for this episode, or go to wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash camel dash milk to grab the free bottles and find out more. Again, that's wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash camel dash milk. This episode is sponsored by Just Thrive Probiotics. I found this company a couple of months ago and I was blown away at the difference in their products. They offer two cornerstone products that are both clinically studied and highly effective. The first is their probiotic, which has been clinically studied to help with leaky gut and to survive up to a thousand times as much as other probiotics or the beneficial organisms in something like Greek yogurt, for instance. The difference is their spore-based strains work completely differently than other types of probiotics. Also, this probiotic is vegan, dairy-free, histamine-free, non-GMO, and it's made without soy, dairy, sugar, salt, corn, tree nuts, or gluten, so it's safe for practically everyone. Their probiotic contains a patented strain called Bacillus indicus HU36, which produces antioxidants in the digestive system where they can be easily absorbed by the body. Their other product is a K27, and this nutrient you may have heard of, it's known as Activator X, the super nutrient that Weston A. Price, a dentist known primarily for his theories on the relationship between nutrition, good health, bone development, and oral health, he found this prevalent in foods in the healthiest communities in the world. Their K2 is the only pharmaceutical grade, all natural supplement with published safety studies. Like the probiotic, this is also gluten, dairy, soy, nut, and GMO-free. You can check out both and learn more by going to wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash probiotic. That's wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash probiotic. Hello and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and today we are going to delve into all things autoimmune disease. And I know I get a lot of questions from you guys about this, and I am here with an expert who's going to answer a lot of these questions. Dr. Guillermo Ruiz is a graduate medical student from the Southwest College of Naturopathic Medicine. His aim is to use his research to advance naturopathic medicine using an evidence-based approach, and he focuses on finding evolutionary connections between our modern and traditional healthcare systems, which is a balance we so desperately need. He currently practices at Integrative Health in Scottsdale, Arizona, where he specializes in endocrinology, and he is a wealth of information. Dr. Ruiz, welcome, and thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Just, uh, you know, super excited to be here. It's, uh, you know, I I have a lot of patients that follow you and follow your blog, so I think they're going to be very, very happy to have me here. 
Oh, I'm so excited. And I know that you have so much um, wisdom and information to share. So I want to jump right in. I hear from a lot of people who have various forms of autoimmune disease. I myself uh, have Hashimoto's. So before we jump into the deeper science, um, I'd love to start by just defining a few terms and kind of explaining what they mean in reference to the body. So even though it's a simple question, can you give us a general idea of what autoimmune disease is and what's going on in the body when there's autoimmune disease? Well, you know, in in the simplest way to explain autoimmune disease, I would say that is when your body is not really well aligned and it's not really recognizing your tissues as being uh, part of you and it starts attacking them. And I actually started going into um, the literature last night, uh, just reading about what causes autoimmune disease. And there's like three big things that cause autoimmune disease. The first one would be molecular mimicry or when your immune system thinks that something uh, is attacking you. And molecular mimicry usually happens after a viral or bacterial infection. So then your body starts attacking this this, uh, viruses and bacteria and then it gets confused and it starts attacking you too. Then uh, the second thing that could uh, that could cause autoimmune disease would be excess inflammation. So if you, for example, a person that has celiac disease or uh, Crohn's disease, they have a lot of um, of inflammation in their gut, and then eventually all that inflammation begets more inf- inflammation, and you end up attacking yourself because you're so inflamed. And uh, and then you start uh, developing antibodies against your own tissue. And then uh, the third one, and, and this is the most unfortunate one, is when you have a genetic predisposition to uh, for your immune system to not be well balanced and your immune system starts attacking your healthy tissue. Got it. So that's why, for instance, we hear of people who after something like Epstein-Barr virus or severe viral illness might eventually start showing the signs of autoimmune diseases. Their body basically is trying to fight something that's important to fight, but it's getting confused, basically. Yeah, you know, in in even other disease processes, you know, uh, like, for example, type 1 diabetes. Type 1 diabetes, you know, the one that you acquire as a kid, it's usually preceded by two things. A little bit of intestinal permeability, uh, having uh, a, a virus from your intestine leak out into your into your bloodstream, and then the second thing is that molecular mimicry we were talking about. You know, so so then your immune system starts attacking that virus, and then it creates immunoglobulins against that virus, and then those immunoglobulins happen to fit your pancreas and it starts destroying the beta cells in your pancreas. So. And that's the thing, you know, sometimes in this health space of functional medicine, we we talk about like, oh, you know, if you heal your gut, you can heal, you know, Hashimoto's, you can heal lupus, you can heal diabetes, you can, and people roll their eyes because they don't understand and they think that we're making things up or overselling something. But in reality, if you follow, you know, the story and you see that all disease can be traced back to inflammation, you can understand why healing the gut is such an important part of any autoimmune condition. 
Exactly. So you use the word intestinal intestinal permeability. And I think most people will probably have a passing familiarity with what that is. But can you just kind of give us a broad definition and explain what's going on in the body when there's intestinal permeability? Yeah, you know, and and, and uh, that's the that's the medical term, you know, intestinal permeability. A lot of bloggers and, you know, or or if you've been in this space for a while, you probably heard it as leaky gut. And and in in the broadest of, of terms. What happens is that whenever you have inflammation in your uh, in your intestinal lining, whether it's from you know something you ate and even stress, so uh, you know having a very stressful event happen in your life. There are studies where they compare the, the intestinal permeability of uh, people in a trauma accident, and they match uh, the intestinal permeability of someone that just finished running a marathon. So, so if you think, you know, that, that, uh, you know, the stress from even working out is not affecting your gut, you know, it is, but, uh, you know, I digress. Uh, so what happens is that if you have a lot of inflammation, um, you know, certain proteins go into the, the intima of your intestine and it start, you know, creating little tiny holes. And, uh, if you compound things like bacteria uh, if you compound things that like fermentation, you know, uh, from bad bacteria, those holes tend to open up. And, and that that protection is the protection of our body for pathogens, for different proteins to not get into our bloodstream. And if you have all of these tiny little holes leaking proteins or leaking bacteria or viruses into the bloodstream, now your immune system has to prevent these things from spreading and, and, and making you sick. So um, that creates this, this effect where your immune system is attacking things that shouldn't be there. And uh, you're literally getting, you know, stuff that should be inside of your intestine, you know, namely poop. Poop is leaking literally into your bloodstream. And that's not good. And that's why you know, eating very healthy things that are going to repair those cells in the, in the intestinal lining is going to be very important for you to prevent this intestinal permeability. Yeah, that's such a good point. And when I was first researching this, one thing that like really blew my mind to understand is that the digestive system is actually biologically not considered internal to the body because it's basically this track that runs through us, but there shouldn't be other than what the body specifically allows through with nutrient absorption and the normal digestive process. There shouldn't be things physically traveling back and forth through that liner because the body uses that that barrier to protect us from all the things that we don't want to take in from our food or from our environment. And that was really like a novel concept for me, but it helped really to understand how we need to protect that and not get to that point of permeability and really protect our gut health. And I'm sure this is a component of it, but why do you think we're seeing such a rise in autoimmune disease right now? Because across the board, um, from Hashimoto's to lupus, like you mentioned, to skin problems, all of these are on the rise. Why do you think we're seeing such a rapid rise right now? Well, you know, unfortunately, the our food is not what it used to be. And uh, it's not as clean. It's not as... You know, you hear this term farm, farm to table and, and we are getting away from that, you know, that uh, utopia of being able to go into, you know, uh, and, and harvest and, and maybe uh, get that, you know, fresh food. And 
with distance and because of modern uh, living, you know, we we have to process our food way more than we used to, even 20 or 30 years ago. I'm not even talking about thousands of years ago. I'm talking about like 30 or, you know, 20 or 30 years ago. Um, and when we process food, we change its structure and we change, you know, the way that is going to be assimilated into your body. You know, uh, the, the number one most inflammatory thing, most oxidative thing that we do is breathing, you know, taking oxygen and creating ATP or energy out of oxygen. The second most uh, inflammatory thing we do, and it's something that we don't think about, is eating. And, and when we eat, you know, we are basically taking proteins from exogenous substances and incorporating those proteins into our body. It's so intimate. It's such, a, it's such an intimate thing that we're doing. And we're doing this thing three times a day, you know, sometimes more if you're, doing, if you're snacking. And if you're eating processed foods, uh, the, the body uh, doesn't really know how to handle them properly, properly, and certain foods can activate different proteins within our body. Like, for example, uh, certain proteins in wheat can activate something called zonulin, and zonulin is a protein that modulates the permeability or the tight junctions or like this, the glue that sticks all of the different cells in your intestine. And if you activate zonulin, you're basically just opening up your intestine. And when you open up your intestine, you know, sure, you, all of the good things that are, that are in your food are going are gonna to be uh, traveling faster, but also bad things can leak. So just, you know, if you, if you start thinking about this, the, the more that, that we process foods that are not going to be um, it, that, that, that are going to have an, a physiological effect on your, on your intestine, the more we're putting ourselves in this situation where our, we're, we're, we're uh, having to have our immune system take care of things that maybe shouldn't be there. And the more times you do it, the more chances that your uh, immune system gets confused and then it starts attacking you. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And as you're saying that, I'm thinking of, you know, you mentioned people that like even eating, even in an optimal scenario when we're eating good quality food is still creating oxidative stress on the body. And that's its purpose. That's natural. But when you think about most people statistically are actually eating not three times a day, but if you count eating as every time we put something in our mouth, I think the last average I saw was 17 times per day. We actually are never giving ourselves a digestive break. We're just putting food in our mouths at random intervals all day long. And probably not most people listening to this, but statistically in the US, 90% of what we put in our bodies, our, our body doesn't even recognize as food because it's not actually nutrient dense. It's taking nutrients from the body. And I think of that in contrast to visiting Italy recently. And there was a family there. There was three generations. They were all living on one farm and they grew everything they consumed with the exception of they bought flour, sugar, and coffee, but everything else, all the produce, all the meats, all the olive oil, they made their own olive oil. And just seeing the difference in the quality of what they consume and what probably many of our grandparents and great grandparents consumed versus what we consume now, it makes sense that our bodies just aren't designed for what they're having to face. And so when it comes to autoimmune disease, I feel like it can be a really tough illness because with so many things, if you have the flu, you know you have the flu. Um, with autoimmune disease, 
it isn't always that clear cut and it seems to be a cascade. So how could someone actually even know they have autoimmune disease? Because it's not like we can track that zonulin in our gut on a daily basis. Um, so can you kind of delve into that? Like what's the process that's happening in the body at the early stages and how can you even know if you have it? You know, in, in things like it, it can get really complicated and, or it can be very easy. Like for example, in the case of celiac disease, we can actually, uh, we have lab tests that, that can test you to see if you have those antibodies that destroy your intestines. So when you have celiac disease and you are allergic to wheat, uh, your immune system creates these antibodies that they destroy the your intestinal tract. Uh, we have a little, we have finger-like projections in our intestines that allow us to absorb as much nutrients as possible from food. And if we have antibodies against this, you know, finger-like celiac projections, they get destroyed, they get blunted, and now your intestine uh, can't absorb nutrients, and then you have diarrhea, and then you start, you know, you can have bleeding and things like that. So that those are easy. Hashimoto's thyroiditis, we have different uh, tests that we can test for, you know, antibodies and all of these different antibodies that we can test for when it comes to Hashimoto's. Unfortunately, it can get really, really complicated in things like lupus um, because lupus at its core is an anti, uh, uh, an, an autoimmune disease. But in order to, uh, for you to actually uh diagnose someone with lupus it is a conglomerate of of different disease processes that that you have to you know uh put together and it's basically a disease of ex uh, exclusion something that you know that we don't understand what's going on and you have you know 10 of these 21 things um and then and then uh, you can be diagnosed with lupus and for example the, those uh those symptoms can be you know hair loss rashes, dryness, ulcers, anemia, fatigue, and, and you know, pain with breathing. You know, it, it's it, it, the, the, the conglomerate of symptoms can be so difficult and people can get really, really frustrated because imagine having all of these different symptoms and not being able to say, yeah, you have strep or you have, you know, and this is the one medication that takes care of this one thing that is going to cure everything. Because your immune system is part of your whole body. And once it's trained, it's really hard to untrained. Um, it is very difficult uh, to, to uh, have resolution of symptoms if you don't know uh, what is the root cause? Now, I can tell you this. The root cause of uh, autoimmune disease is not that your immune system is overactive because that's the first line of defense that we have right now that, you know, we suppress your immune system whenever you have an autoimmune disease like, like lupus, like rheumatoid arthritis. Um, and I think that's the wrong way to uh, to go about it because we have to identify why is your autoimmune system overreacting. And if we look at this, you know, scenario uh, in that way, then, then now we have hope. Now we can say, okay, sure, you have the genetic predisposition for your, for your immune system to react to you. Sure, uh, there is something making it react the wrong way. 
But now we can start investigating and we can start uh, delving into different things that can be activating your immune system in the wrong way, rather than just suppressing your immune system. And then that puts your risk for cancer. It puts your risk for uh, super infections. Um, there is a reason we have an immune system and, and if it's upregulated, we have to figure out what's making it be upregulated, not just shut it down. Got it. That makes perfect sense. So really like someone, many of us, and probably long before I got my diagnosis of Hashimoto's, had a lot of these biological things happening and you don't necessarily feel them until they kind of reach that critical mass or um, there's a lot of them. And that's a great point too about some autoimmune diseases are not as easy to diagnose as just doing a single test. Even um, for me with Hashimoto's, that my antibodies, that was one test that they ran, but they also looked at, they did an ultrasound of my thyroid and they looked at other markers as well. And I think that's the the benefit of naturopathic medicine is that you guys are looking at a holistic approach, not just one uh, marker. That was my frustration with a lot of doctors for so many years is they would only test like T3 or T3 and T4 and not antibodies and not look at my thyroid and then conclude that I was fine. And there was this underlying process that they weren't picking up on because they weren't testing all of those things. Um, and another thing I hear a lot from people who write into me and also from my own story when I was in the really the rough part of Hashimoto's was the fatigue. And to me, that's why autoimmune disease is such a silent and really difficult illness. And my heart goes out to people who have it because you can look fine on the outside and have this debilitating fatigue or these struggles that don't present themselves clinically like a lot of other symptoms. And so people think you're fine because you look fine, but you definitely don't feel fine. So can you explain the connection of how fatigue relates to all this and what's going on when you have that just whole body debilitating fatigue? Well, you know, uh, I, I, I'm going to have to credit uh, uh, Ari Witten uh, with this one. But, you know, one of the things that happens with, um, with any, uh, any fatigue syndrome, uh, and, and especially, you know, with, with, with Hashimoto's, it's easy to understand that, you know, your thyroid controls every cell in your body. Every cell in your body can be affected by thyroid hormone. And what the thyroid hormone does is it... Uh, helps create proteins and these proteins can do anything from like making you grow to uh help in the production of different hormones and you know in in it upregulates things and and I, I like to tell my patients that your thyroid is like the accelerator and the accelerator when you press the accelerator your car goes faster you know imagine your thyroid the you know if you have good thyroid levels that car is just going to be cruising if you have hypothyroidism, you're not pressing that accelerator hard enough. So you're not going to have um, that energy, that natural energy. You're not going to have to rely on things like caffeine. Secondly, and, and one of the things that I wouldn't, uh, you know, showed me or, or, or uh, you know, taught me was that uh, whenever you have an infection, you um, bacteria are very opportunistic. Viruses are very opportunistic. Uh, and they're and they're like almost parasitic, where they take over and they hijack hijack cells, and they use the mitochondria of that cell to steal energy from your body, so they don't have to create it. So what what the mitochondria does is like they shut down to prevent this this ATP or energy steal it, stealing from that bacteria and that viruses. So whenever you have 
chronic infections or whenever you have chronic inflammation, your body reacts in that way. It starts shutting off mitochondria all over your body. So now imagine, you know, if you were, you know, uh, if you were operated with, you know, if you operated uh, with batteries and each mitochondria is a battery and now half of your batteries are shut off, now you're not utilizing this, uh, this energy. And this is, this, this can happen with infection. This can happen, uh, uh, you know, as an autoimmune attack on your, on, on your mitochondria. It can happen if you stop using your, your cells because you're tired, because your thyroid is not optimal. And then, um, you, you're not, you know, you're not having enough motivation to go and exercise and, 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 you know, uh, go out for a walk and get, you know, some fresh air. So then mitochondria start to shut off and then your body creates this danger response, uh, you know, system where it says, oh, mitochondria shutting off. We must be under attack and it keeps shutting off more mitochondria and the mitochondria are not going to come back into, uh, uh, in, in line up until you, your body starts noticing that, okay, we are out of that danger zone. So it's, it, you know, it, it's, it's a very delicate process because A, it's not like I just tell my patients, yeah, you just got to, you know, tough it up and you're going to have to go outside and, and jog. Because I know that physiologically, if they have Hashimoto's, they don't have, you know, they're not pressing that accelerator to where they need to be in order to have natural energy. But B, they they also need to start moving and they need to start with a little bit of exercise to prevent this, this shutting off of the mitochondria. So, you know, you have to create this balance and you have to be very open with your with, with the patients about how yeah, you know, I understand that that uh, this fatigue is chronic and this fatigue is very debilitating. And I know you wish you you could you know get up and and be a little bit more productive. But if we don't start somewhere and and we start you know incorporating, even if it's just around the house and and uh, you know, Doctor Doctor Alan Christensen says that when he first started uh, exercising, he would run around the the island in his kitchen. So even if it's just walking around and uh, taking your kids to the park or, or you know, going for an extra, you know, uh, long walk with the dog, it, you know, it, you need to start signaling to your body that, okay, we are taking care of you. And uh, so your body can start getting back in line and, and activating the mitochondria. But it, it that can be completely impossible if you don't have that hormonal balance. You know, so it, it's a very uh, delicate balancing act that that we need to perform and that we need to be aware of. It's not that you're just crazy or just lazy. It's you know, it's both physiological and and to a certain degree even uh, uh, at the cellular level. Got it. And I to echo what you say, I love Ari Witten's work. He's been on this podcast as well. Um, such great research and work that he does. And I think you're also so right about the autoimmune fatigue and exercise connection, because for years I thought I'll just like fight through. And really, like you mentioned, you can do more harm than good if you're trying to 
jump into more than your body's hormonally ready to handle. In fact, there's actually a program called Autoimmune Strong, which is a workout program specifically designed for those with autoimmune disease to be able to get back to movement without creating that harmful cycle. Um, And also, I want to say, because you mentioned Dr. Christensen, who is the doctor who uh, actually diagnosed my Hashimoto's and helped me find recovery. Um, So his journey is amazing and incredible in its own right. But you talk about him running around his kitchen island. And just to paint a picture, I want people to understand that now he is extremely, extremely fit. He's the picture of health. He I believe a uh, competitive mountain unicyclist, which I can't even imagine. I can barely ride a bike on a mountain. Um, so just he's very much the picture of health and a testament to the fact that it is possible to find recovery and to heal the body, but it just is a slow process. And so I think that's such a, a good point that you made about taking it slowly, making sure you have the gut process in place first and the hormone process in place and moving, but not jumping into that extreme exercise until your body is ready. And another topic in this same vein that I know you've written about quite a bit is the iron connection and in what role iron plays in autoimmune disease. And you had a really great explanation of this. So can you delve into that and explain that? You know, first and foremost, you know, uh, let's start by defining anemia. You know, how many people out there have been told, oh, you, you have anemia? And, uh, and then you, you, uh, they'll ask the practitioner, so what does that mean? Oh, you're low in iron. Okay, cool. So that's it. You, it so anemia. So for anyone listening that has ever been told that they have anemia, anemia means that you do not have enough oxygen carrying capacity on uh, to your to your cells. So, uh, for example, you can have an anemia of of like a, like if you have a trauma and you start losing too much blood, uh, you can you can have low uh, volume anemia. You know you don't have enough blood to take oxygen to your cells. Uh, if you have anemia of chronic disease, this is a very interesting one. So. You remember when we we're talking about uh, viruses and bacteria being like parasites? Well, uh, they take over and uh, hijack your mitochondria, but they also need iron in order to divide and, and multiply. So your body is so you're uh, so smart that it starts hiding iron in uh, in in different places to prevent your uh, bacteria and viruses from uh, from dividing and from invading you. So if you have a, a certain type of anemia where, where you're low in iron and you eat, you know, um, red meats or, or you know, you've been uh, uh, taking supplements forever and your iron doesn't, uh, doesn't go up, you could have anemia of chronic disease where your body is hiding that iron to prevent the replication of, of pathogens. You can have macrocytic anemia and macrocytic macro meaning big, cytic meaning uh, cell. That's when you don't have you know enough folate or B12 to make uh, you know regular size uh, red blood cells. And if you have macrocytic anemia, the problem is that they're so big because they're not dividing properly that they get stuck into in the arterioles and 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 the venules. Uh, and they can't actually reach the, the, your cells in order to provide your cells with oxygen. So, I, you know, in, in, in each one of these different cases, uh, the, the solution is not just taking a red pill that is going to make you constipated. For example, 
if you if you have you know uh, a an anemia of blood loss, we need to identify where is that blood blood loss happening, you know, and it can be like I said, like a trauma accident where you're just bleeding and they have to give you a transfusion. Or it could be, you know, maybe uh, you have celiac disease and that blunting of the of the villi in your intestines is causing this low-grade uh, blood loss where you're losing blood that is going to feed your cells. And the anemia of chronic disease, uh, if you sometimes, in some, in some cases, if you give iron to that person, you actually exacerbate infections. And, and so just, just think about this, you know, like there was an, an awesome paper coming out of Africa where a couple of uh, good Samaritans, you know, decided to go to Africa and they start testing kids uh, for iron deficiency. And, you know, these good Samaritans started giving, you know, a little bit of iron to all these kids that, uh, that were uh, iron deficient. And the kids starting to, uh, started to get sick from malaria because their body was hiding that iron from the malaria to prevent an, an you know, overblown infection. So now the WHO has uh, very specific parameters for people that uh, open up clinics in Africa, that if you, if you notice that a lot of uh, kids in a population are anemic, or, you know, they have low levels of iron, you a, better have really good anti-malaria protocols. Uh, and if you don't, you don't, uh, you, you are not to give them uh, iron uh, supplements. So now imagine, you know, how many hidden infections do we have here in the United States? Maybe we don't have a lot of malaria in the United States, but we do have things like Lyme disease. We do have things like uh, EBV. And uh, we do have things like intestinal dysbiosis. Is your anemia, if you're, is your lack of iron because you have a pathogen in your gut and your body is being super smart by hiding that iron? In the case of microcytic anemia, you could be missing a couple of uh, uh, micronutrients such as B12 or folate, or maybe you are missing things that are higher up in the uh in the in the chain where you're making this red blood cells things like creatine things like choline uh, things like glycine you know are you are you are you taking uh are you eating bone broth are you uh, uh making sure that you're eating green uh, uh leafy greens a, um, a couple of times a week and and it's funny because you know you can you can think oh you know i'm eating a lot of greens but in the case of folate Folate is very fragile, and if you freeze, uh, you know, uh, vegetables, that folate becomes uh, uh, it becomes obsolete and and it, it and it deconstructs. So you actually have to actually eat fresh leafy greens, uh, and then and then there's all the things that you have to do because like there's a lot of uh, fat soluble vitamins in in greens. So if you're just eating your greens, but you're not putting a little bit of olive oil or a little bit of, you know, a, a fat or eating it with some sort of fat, you're not going to absorb those, uh, those uh, fat soluble vitamins. So in, in, in a big picture, you know, if you have ever been told that you have anemia 
And the the only thing that they tell you is that, okay, take this little red pill that's going to make you constipated. Uh, you need to investigate why you have anemia. You know, is it because uh, you have a nutritional deficiency? Is it because your body is protecting you from uh, from a pathogen? Or is it because you have some sort of injury? And, and you know, when I say injury, I say it as a cut or a, or a trauma accident or or as an injury in in uh, the blunting of the villi in your intestines, or maybe polyps in your colon, or maybe uh, you you know in in really uh, extreme cases, even cancer can have a little bit of blood uh, loss. So we need to identify why you need this this iron. In 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 most cases, uh, you know, I can tell you that. Just giving iron is not the solution. That's just patching, you know, or bandaging the problem. But in reality, there is something underneath that needs to be fixed. That's such an important point. And I think of in my own life. Um, so I've had a couple instances with anemia that line up with what you just said. So in pregnancy, especially, which can exacerbate autoimmune symptoms and all the, the gut problems, I would have mild anemia. And that, of course, was the doctor's recommendation was to take more iron. Um, but understanding it in light of the autoimmune connection, it makes so much more sense to go deeper. Whereas with like what you said, acute anemia. So my third child, I had placenta previa that was not diagnosed and I hemorrhaged and then had a C-section in which I lost a whole lot of blood. So I was rightfully anemic after that because I had had a lot of blood loss. And that's a completely different scenario, like you're explaining, than someone who has this chronic low-level anemia and what that could actually mean. And I'm so glad that you are shedding light on this because I think that's going to be the future of what we learn more and more in medicine is it's not just a one-to-one -one cause and effect ratio when you're talking about the human body, even things like genetics and understanding MTHFR there's more going on than just we need to take methylfolate. That very well could be a huge part of it. And obviously we all need our leafy greens, but there's usually a reason the body's had that mutation and understanding what that is and how it's working in the body as a whole versus just trying to like think of natural medicine, just like regular medicine, treating one symptom with one supplement or one pharmaceutical um, doesn't address the entire body. And a new question I get a lot, and I can't wait to hear your take on, is can you ever fully recover from or be in remission from autoimmune disease? Because you've made a really compelling case for all the gut problems that go along with it, the immune system dysregulation that happens. Once that process has occurred, is it reasonable to think that we can actually get, then eventually get to remission? You know, that's a question that I get asked a lot. And, uh, and it really is, you know, it, you want to give hope to people. And, uh, at the same time, you know, once your immune system is trained in a certain way, it's very, very hard to untrain it. Okay. So what is remission from Hashimoto's? You know, I wish I was like a men in black and have one of those lights that that, that saps your uh, your memory. And we need to re-educate people and, and show them that taking a little bit of maybe a supplement, maybe a medication, maybe, you know, something to help you uh, be a more productive uh, member of society uh, doesn't make you uh, sick or it doesn't mean that you are sick. There's a, there's a saying, you know, it's not uh, the, the years in the life, it's the life in the years. 
And that's, and that's what I want to provide my patients. Uh, I want to provide them with life on every single day. You know, I want them to have energy and I want them to be there for their family and I want them to be there uh, for, for their friends and, and to help each other and to, and to help and spread this, this message. If, if being able to do all those things means that you have to take a little bit of thyroid every morning, does it really matter? You know, are you, you know, does it really matter that, that you are in remission or not? Does it really matter that you, um, that you have a diagnosis? I know it can be very confusing and it can be, you know, sometimes defeating to, to think that, oh, I'm going to have to take thyroid medication for the rest of my life. But think of this thyroid medication as your, uh, as your power up, you know, uh, you know, like uh, before when we played like Nintendo and we played Mario and you, you ate that mushroom and you got bigger, you know, you just think of it like that. Think of it uh, as as that little that little pill is what's helping you not have to move to an island and uh, get rid of all your electronics, get rid of your you know all of your hobbies, and just dedicate yourself to health. That tiny little pill is what's giving you the latitude to maybe be able to go to a restaurant. And, uh, and, and eat some gluten-free pizza every once in a while. And that little pill is what's letting you, you know, uh, go out with your friends, you know, a couple of times a, a, a year or in, and stay up late and have fun and laugh. That little pill is what's letting you have that latitude to live life. Um, sure, you know, uh, if you live a perfect life, you can you can probably get off of that uh, medication, but you you know that would that would uh, entitle you you would have to sleep like ten hours a night you know uh, get up you know with with the sun uh, harvest all your food eat you know uh, perfectly uh, you know raised uh, animal products you would have to take you know maybe other supplements to to supply you. With the stuff that uh, that the, the soil doesn't have, you know, like magnesium is super depleted, and and then you know maybe not have any kids because you know you can they, those can be sources of stressors, uh, and and maybe quit your job and you know all of these the different things. If you can be have a perfect life, sure, maybe you can untrain your uh, your immune system to attack yourself, but. Let's be realistic. You know, we want to be part of society, and we want to be able to uh, grab our headphones and listen to uh, to the Wellness Mama podcast. We want to be able to do all those things, and in order to give us the latitude and to give us the the, the best of both worlds, sure, we need to try to eat as close to natural as possible. We ha- we should try to follow a good circadian rhythm with our sleep. And, and, you know, we're waking and go outside and get some sunshine, but we can use technology in the form of, you know, a little bit of desiccated thyroid to give us the latitude to deal with traffic, to deal with deadlines for work, to deal with, you know, with, um, with fun, you know, to be able to go out with friends. So I, you know, I want to liberate everyone out there that's listening. And I want to tell you that it's okay. 
you know, it's okay that that you have this autoimmune condition. It's okay that maybe in the past, uh, uh, growing up or maybe later in life, you weren't so kind to your immune system. And maybe by some coincidence, you got an infection that triggers something, or maybe uh, you, you weren't eating the best food. Well, let's leave that in the past. There are ways that we can help you regain your, your strength, regain your energy. And uh, you don't have to be sick all of the time. And, and we can help you uh, be the best person you can be, whether it's taking a supplement or taking a prescription medication. It really doesn't matter. What matters is how much life we can, uh, we can have in our years. It's a really, really important point as well. And I think also hidden in that, uh, what you just said, that's so important just to highlight is, um, especially for those of us who have struggled with or are struggling, struggling with autoimmune disease, um, those things like you mentioned, like lack of sleep or just deadlines at work or completely normal parts of life at times are an additional stress on the body that's hard to handle. And just um, like you said, using technology in the best way and also giving ourselves permission to do what we need to do in our own lives to get enough sleep and to get enough sunshine and to get enough um, stress reduction that we can tolerate these things. And increasingly, this is um, more and more of a problem for all of us, not just those with autoimmune disease um, in today's world of just the constant stress and busyness of life. And I think that's an important thing that we all address. Um, you mentioned supplements as well. So what's your take on supplements? I know they can be controversial at times. Um, do you think with our depleted soil quality and all of the negative inputs we face on a daily basis that supplements are necessary at this point? Or what's your take? I think that supplements are something that can be cyclical. You know, uh, I, you know, w the one supplement that I take, you know, religiously is magnesium. Magnesium, you know, I take, uh, and I know like the the uh, the studies show that magnesium uh, chelated forms of magnesium are the best forms of magnesium to take. I take a magnesium citrate. Uh, I just like the magnesium citrate. I love I love how uh, it makes me feel. Uh, I've tried the oils and I've tried, you know, but magnesium uh, uh, in powder form at night, it relaxes me, it helps me sleep and I feel better. I think that um, there are different things that we need to acquire at different times of the year. Like, for example, if you live in places that have very long winters, you might need a little bit of vitamin D. If you don't eat red meat, you know, getting a little bit of copper would be important. If you uh, if you live on a food desert and you don't have access to fresh leafy greens, maybe taking a little bit of preform uh, folate might be uh, might be necessary. But more often than than not, I see patients coming into my practice. No lie, taking up to 60 different uh, supplements a day. Like imagine taking 60 different supplements that have to be, you know, uh, taken at different times. And, uh, and, I, and I, I really don't agree uh, with that. And most of the time, my patients actually get, uh, get a little bit less supplements after coming in to see me and, uh, than, than when, they, when they came in. I think that supplements used properly uh, can be can be sectioned into uh, into uh, different time periods like for example one thing that I do once a year is I take a little bit of dim 
DIM helps you uh, detoxify your estrogen uh, by by making it more water soluble and being able to um, get rid of it through your liver. So it's not like a hormonal supplement. It's actually improving the capacity of your liver. And once a year for 30 days, I take them. If I feel that my digestion is not perfect, you know, I take digestive enzymes with my meals. But always with uh, trying, you know, with curiosity of why is my my digestion not uh, optimal? Is it because I'm drinking too much cold uh, tea with my meals? Am I eating too fast? Am I not chewing enough? And, and by doing the triage process, then once my digestion is, is good, then I can stop taking that, those digestive enzymes. There, there can be polypharmacy you know, uh, within supplements where you're taking supplements that contradict or exacerbate symptoms or they counteract the effects of other supplements. So we need to be very careful about a couple of things. A, who is making the supplement? What is the sourcing of the supplement? B, is it the right form? Um, you know, for many, many, many years, uh, people were taking cyanocobalamin for B12 deficiency. And cyanocobalamin actually binds to the B12 receptor, but in, it, it inactivates it. So it's like the key that fits into, into the keyhole, but it doesn't do anything. It actually prevents B12 from uh, activating that B12 receptor. So your blood levels, if you take cyanocobalamin, look like you have higher levels of B12, but it's not doing anything. So that's the second thing that we need to make sure that we're taking the right form of the supplement. As a side note, more and more research is coming out to tell us that Sure, you know, uh, under methylation is a problem and, and not having enough methyl donors for your detoxification pathways can be really bad for you. But just as there's people that are under methylators, there are people that are over methylators. And if you just randomly give people methylcobalamin, you know, the activated form of cobalamin or B12, you can cause symptoms of mental fog, fatigue, you know, the same symptoms that you would see with someone that has undermethylation. You can see with people that you overmethylate by giving them methyl donors when they don't need them. So like you said, you know, even people that have pro- problems with MTHFR, we, sh- we really need to be a little bit more careful and not just go to your, uh, to your friendly um, natural store and, and pick up, you know, the latest supplement that, you know, that people are talking about. And then, and then the last uh, thing, uh, dosing is so important. Some people, uh, you know, can, you, it, is, it is in our nature here in the West to think that more is more. And with a lot of supplements, with a lot of vitamins, with a lot of uh, minerals, more is not more, you know, uh, for example, vitamin D, we know that the sweet spot is somewhere between 35 and, uh, and, and 60. Uh, and anything above that causes procalcification and causes you know, bad effects of having too much vitamin D. So we got to be very, very careful with, the supple- with supplementation. And we got to be you know, more aware 
And just like you said, you know, that it's not just, oh, you know, do you have diabetes? I'm not going to take metformin. Instead, I'm going to take cinnamon. You know, just like you don't have a metformin deficiency, you also don't have a cinnamon deficiency. And we can use this, this you know, uh, different extracts and we can use this different plants and, and minerals to help us get through some disease process. But they are not the solution. The solution is usually habit forming and better lifestyle. And, and though that's hard. It's easy to pop pill. It's easy to take a supplement. It's hard to change your life. I wholeheartedly agree. And like you, I, there's very few things I take every day. Um, like you, magnesium, I take every day. And also um, a really high quality spore-based probiotic, just because knowing Hashimoto's and gut health, that's something that really I feel the difference from taking. This episode is brought to you by Desert Farms Camel Milk. Never heard of camel milk? I hadn't either until I stumbled across some studies about its unique properties, and I decided to try this as an alternative to regular dairy when I had a baby at the time. See, camel milk has some unique properties that make it easier to tolerate, even for those who don't do well with traditional dairy. And some evidence suggests that it may actually help support the immune system and be beneficial for those with autoimmune disease. Desert Farms is the highest quality camel milk source I've found, and I love that they really love and take care of their camels. In fact, I even recently had a chance to meet their founder and to meet a couple of the camels. Right now, they are offering Wellness Mama listeners four free extra bottles for life with any subscription. You can uh, learn more and grab the free bottles in the show notes, the link for these epi- for this episode, or go to wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash camel dash milk to grab the free bottles and find out more. Again, that's wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash camel dash milk. This episode is sponsored by Just Thrive Probiotics. I found this company a couple of months ago and I was blown away at the difference in their products. They offer two cornerstone products that are both clinically studied and highly effective. The first is their probiotic, which has been clinically studied to help with leaky gut and to survive up to a thousand times as much as other probiotics or the beneficial organisms in something like Greek yogurt, for instance. The difference is their spore-based strains work completely differently than other types of probiotics. Also, this probiotic is vegan, dairy-free, histamine-free, non-GMO, and it's made without soy, dairy, sugar, salt, corn, tree nuts, or gluten. So it's safe for practically everyone. Their probiotic contains a patented strain called Bacillus indicus HU36, which produces antioxidants in the digestive system where they can be easily absorbed by the body. Their other product is a K27, and this nutrient you may have heard of, it's known as Activator X, the super nutrient that Weston A. Price, a dentist known primarily for his theories on the relationship between nutrition, good health, bone development, and oral health, he found this prevalent in foods in the healthiest communities in the world. Their K2 is the only pharmaceutical grade, all natural supplement with published safety studies. Like the protobiotic, this is also gluten, dairy, soy, nut, and GMO-free. You can check out both and learn more by going to wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash probiotic. That's wellnessmama.com forward slash go forward slash probiotic. 
Um, but one thing I learned last year studying in Switzerland at a biological medicine clinic is like you, they don't recommend taking anything all of the time. That basically we should cycle things with the seasons, with what our body needs. And also, even if they're things our body needs, just take a break from them once in a while. So the body doesn't just get so acclimated to that and either downregulate or upregulate or stop the body's natural mechanism of creating whatever that is. So I think that's such a good point. And you're right, in America, we tend to take an all or nothing approach of more is better. And if one is good, five is better. And that's definitely not always the case with supplements. And you provided so much amazing information on the roots of autoimmune disease and addressing it both naturally and using technology. So I'd love to hear as kind of we start to wrap up your approach if someone comes into you, how you go from taking them to that fatigue and just barely surviving day to day to thriving using kind of all of the tools you just mentioned? Well, you know, it's funny because uh, when I was in school, when I was still a, a student clinician, people would come to the clinic and they would say, uh, you know, I, I'm fatigued and, you know, uh, all the symptoms of maybe Hashimoto's or some other autoimmune uh, condition. And then I would run labs and then I would find out that they are anemic and then and the, their TSH through the roof, and and I would I would create a plan and I would sit in front of them and say, okay, you, you're gonna need to stop eating gluten, and then the the my patient would be like, whoa, why? And then I would draw on the board and I would tell them, you know, about intestinal permeability and and uh, and all of the things that happen. Now, you know, because I work with Dr. Alan Christensen and all of my patients are super educated. I sit in front of them with my labs and I tell them, you're going to have to quit gluten. And they look at me and they're like, I haven't had gluten for the past five years. I don't know what you're talking about. You know, so it's, it's a very different environment, which makes me so much more excited about being able to uncover what the underlying cause of their disease process is. Most of the people that I see have already started doing a, a nutritionally dense diet, have already tried Nigella or, or they have tried, uh, you know, maybe, uh, you know, don't, don't try this, but maybe they have tried using iodine to fix their Hashimoto's or uh, maybe they, they've already have, you know, their circadian rhythm, you know, they're, they're going to bed at eight and they're waking up and they're going outside and getting those 10 minutes of, of uh, beautiful sunshine. So, it makes me a better detective because now I'm not starting, you know, with with the low hanging fruit. You know, I, I need to really dig and need to figure out why do, are they still anemic? Why, you know, is their uh, thyroid medication not serving them? Is it because they're, they're only taking T4 and their body's not converting that T4 into T3? Is it because... They're taking so many supplements that they're fighting against each other and, and they're not getting a good response or what we expect for cert from certain supplements. Or is it because that they, they were misdiagnosed and, and what, uh, what their uh, previous doctor thought was SIBO is actually constipation from being severely, severely hypothyroid? Do they have a chronic infection? Because of the training that I've got and because of the, uh, the ability to see this, this really complicated cases, uh, I've been able to just, uh, you know, I, I got rocket fuel and, and, and I've become like uh, this very keen uh, health detective 
that is able to help. Uh, I've been able to help a lot of people, uh, and and I'm really thankful for for uh, for Dr. Christensen, who is my mentor, and then. Uh, from for people like you who are putting this information out there for patients to become more savvy and uh, and they're taking us the practitioners to task to make sure that we uh, the, you know keeping us on our toes you know to make sure that we that we keep up with the literature and we keep up with uh, with trends to make sure that we are actually making a difference. Yeah, exactly. Like you, I'm so excited for this evolution of medicine, natural medicine, and the wonderful researchers like you guys who are on the front lines working with patients, like you said, being health detectives. And also exactly like you said, for all of the people like you guys who are listening, who are willing to really put in the effort and the research and the time and the lifestyle changes to really being the front lines and making the changes. And I think, and I truly have hope that together we're going to start seeing hopefully a reversal of some of these trends. I think like the, that complementarity is super important. I also cannot believe we have already flown through an hour because I could literally talk to you all day long. And one question I'd love to ask toward the end is if there is a favorite book or books that have really made an impact on your life. They don't have to be in, in line with your expertise, but uh, I'm just an avid reader and I'm always looking for new ideas to read. Well, you know, one of the books that really changed my life was on the road by Jack Kerouac, <laughs> and uh, it, it's funny because I picked it up as uh, as a recommendation from uh, a Rolling Stone magazine, and it was like this book has influenced more rock stars than any other book, and it really is just this adventure of of you know becoming free and going against uh, against the the grain, <laughs> you know. I think that book piqued my interest in, in going outside of the norm. And I think because of that book, it, it actually opened me to uh, question uh, authority and, and literally going against the grain with my own diet. So that's, you know, that's a very, uh, uh, that was a very uh, forming book for me. Now in the health space, I think one of the books that has had the most influence uh, on me was um, The Paleo Solution by Rob Wolf. Uh, probably one of the first, uh, the first health book that I ever read was Good Calories, Bad Calories. And when I tried to share it with people, people would be like, okay, yeah, this is too dense. And, and it, 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 you know, what good is a book if you can't read it? But, but then Rob wrote this, this book that was so simple to read. You know, the concepts were so so easy and actually enjoyable. So when I was um, handing it to other people, you know, they would actually read it and, and, and follow the instructions because it was so easy to, to follow. But now I think uh, the, the science has changed a lot and the recommendations from uh, that book uh, have aged <laughs> a little bit. And I'm really excited for a new book that's coming out in uh, January. And that's Dr. C's new book, The Metabolism Reset Diet. And I think that's going to be one of those groundbreaking books where we once again revisit the, the topics and we, uh, and, and we actually make a move forward, not a sidestepping into the same ideas. We are, we're actually, uh, I think Dr. C captures something that we're going to be, uh, it's going to be the next step in, in health and dieting. 
I agree. I got to read an early copy of that so that I could share a testimonial about it. And it was so well written. I'm really excited for that one to come out and to be able to share it as well. Uh, Dr. Ruiz, this has been wonderful. You are so well-spoken. I've loved all that you've shared. And I really appreciate you giving us your most valuable resource, your time today, and for sharing all your wisdom. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me, you know, nothing but love for you and what you do, because it really has touched so many people. And it, you know, even though it makes my, uh, my cases tougher, it makes my life better to know that, that, that I have warriors with me in this fight against disease. I love it. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for listening as always, and for sharing your most valuable asset, your time with both of us. And I hope to see you again next time on the wellness mama podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time and thanks as always for listening.